Welcome to Destinations by Design. Prepare to dive into the biggest events, weddings, and design feats here in Las Vegas and beyond. Here's your host, Zachary Green. On this episode of Destinations by Design, we're traveling through time, exploring the evolution of party design spanning four decades. But here's the kicker, we're viewing it through different lenses. One is a seasoned and experienced professional who has years in the live events business, and the other is also a professional who spent many years in this business but comes from a different angle. Joining us today, we have Bill Bry, the founder and former owner of BBJ Linen, and currently who is at the helm of Buffett and Pete. Bill, so excited to have you on with us. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thank you. So, Bill, because we have you on right now, I want to spend some time chatting with you about your years in the live events business. It was mentioned to me that you have over 40 years of experience. Maybe you can start us off from the beginning. How did you get into the business and where did your journey take you? Well, um, I spent about 15 years prior to that, believe it or not, as an accountant. I, my college days were spent at Illinois Institute of Technology here in Chicago, where I was going to be an engineer. That was kind of a strange progression. But IIT in Chicago is very well known for their architecture department. So I... Many of my friends were architecture majors, and I wasn't talented enough in the drawing part of it to do that. So I decided not to be an engineer. I decided to stay at the school I was at. I became an accountant. I did that for about 10 years. It wasn't creatively responsible to me. didn't give me anything. So I decided to um, go into hospitality, and for some crazy reason, through a bunch of strange things... I decided to found a linen company, and that was in 1980. In 1980, there were no linen companies. There were only people who sold linen. The only places that had rental linen operations were in Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C. I researched some of that and decided to do that in Chicago, and I actually opened up a small business, which called Covered Affairs, in my basement, and I had a very large house, so I kept inventory there. I set up laundry, did the whole thing, and basically became a boutique linen company, and I sold very high-end to high-end clients here in Chicago. And it took off and actually progressed over a period of 10 years. It took about 10 years for the linen industry to sort of establish itself in linen rental. Started making my own linen. I started setting up parties. And eventually, it became the foundation of BBJ, which actually was three initials. It was Bill, Bonnie, and Judy. We set that up with five employees in a very small rental, rental area in a suburb of Chicago. It kept expanding to almost 75,000 square feet and 350 employees and 21 offices. I did that for about 30 years, and I eventually sold the business to a hedge fund. It's still operating. It's uh, BBJ Latavola, which they acquired another company, and it's still a national company. It's still one of the largest loan companies in the United States, and I'm very proud of the fact that it's still in business after nearly 40 years. 
So Bill, what, what do you think made you so successful in the linen business? Because, you know, a lot of people go into business with the intent of wanting to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they tend to fall flat. I think that the fact that I did have a business background, I was an accountant, so I knew how to process invoices and that type of thing. So when I started out, I wasn't starting with just the creative knowledge. I, you know, I, I started with a business background. I also tried to find my niche, which when you first start out, you cannot do everything. In fact, you never can do everything and not everyone is your customer. So you have to find your niche. You, you initially have to have passion for what you're doing. If you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to be able to be an entrepreneur. You have to like what you're doing. And you also have to keep learning. You have to learn every day. And for BBJ, because we set up offices all over the country, you also have to become a part of that community, meaning that you have to have salespeople are very important. Sales reps are very important. I I still believe that. I don't think you can do everything without a sales rep. And the sales reps have to be local. They have to know their own area that they're in. And those are the kind of people you're looking for. You're also looking for people who don't say yes to you every five minutes. You want somebody who talks to you and tells you what it's, what's necessary for that particular area. A lot of things have changed now, but I don't think that having a de- decent salespeople and appreciating those salespeople is very important for anybody who has a business and operations too. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole uh, you have to establish a whole root, whole thing from one end to the other. And everybody has something to contribute. And the owner doesn't, the owner is responsible, but the owner is not the only responsible person. Everybody, you have to make everyone in the company feel that they're part of something. Destinations by Design, we're a large-scale live events company that caters to multiple parties and events. You shifted your focus now from selling linens to a new venture. I would love for you to talk about Buffet MP. What is it that you guys are doing? All right, Buffet MP is not just a manufacturer. Buffet MP is an import with design capabilities, concentrating at present on dinnerware, glass, and porcelain. Two things that are very, that are related, but very different. And again, it's establishing something new again, or putting something together new again. that isn't really everywhere. There are a lot of people out there supplying porcelain and glass, but we're trying to do it a little differently with a design, with design capabilities, something similar to what I did with the linen business. I'm also changing, not just having something like a charger, which is something people are familiar with. We're doing these things in different sizes. So we're relating the glass dinnerware with the porcelain dinnerware. They're very well made. Again, that's important to me because I'm not here to start a business again and have problems. These are made uniquely. They're they're not like normal plates or dishware that you'd get for, you know, any old party. No. They're made very well. They're made in steel molds. And the steel molds that they're made in, instead of a clay mold, allows the color to come out. That's why you have definition to the glass. They're made very old world. The process is very time-consuming, which is similar to what I was used to in the linen business when we made very nice tablecloths for rent and we had different things. It's a process. And also we're using paint and sealer that are European. So charger is very durable because the 
steel mold makes it durable is about the weight of the charger against chipping and damage and chipping and at a party. I mean, you could, it's certainly if you drop it on a concrete floor, it's going to break. But if you drop it on a carpet, it's not. And um, that's why it has the beauty associated with it so that you're creating a tablescape. Um, the tabletop for a party or for an event is, I think, still very important to to the person having the party or the person that's attending the party because if they're sitting down, that's the first thing they're seeing. So it's the table, you know, this is really creating the, the tablescape with the flowers, with everything else. So the product, because of the product's durability and the way the product is made, it provides the person with something that not only for the person selling it or a vendor or the person using it, but also for the person attending the event. So Bill, you've been in the live events business for many years, so you've been able to see the progression of how parties have changed and, you know, the offerings and what people want. Maybe for yourself, you can talk to us about how there was a need that you saw. Was was there a need or a niche that you wanted to fill that there wasn't an offering for? I think that people that have parties, doesn't make any difference whether it's a table for two or a room for a thousand people. Their party or what they're doing is the most important thing to them. And I think that the most important thing you can do for a customer is make them feel that that's the only party you have. You have to, you, you want the customer to be happy. However, it used to be in the past when I started that we had a table. We might have thrown a tablecloth on it and put something on it. And we basically, every party was somewhat like a party in a home. What we've done today is we've created event production, which is much different than having a florist and a caterer. It's putting the whole thing together in a package so that it efficiently runs from A to Z. And every facet of the party is equally as important. Today, we've added a lot of other things. We now have high tech. We have, you know, when I was starting, linen was a brand new thing. It wasn't around. Um, lighting came later. Lighting is most important because it lights the table. There's a difference today between someone being a florist, a caterer, and someone being an event producer. So when you're choosing, I don't care if you're having a wedding for 200 people, if you're having a wedding that's just a wedding where people are going to come and have some food and do whatever, that's fine. But I think most people today want an experience. So that requires a total event production team. And that's the change that's happened between when I first started in that. And I really want to continue to be a contributing factor to the event production experience. For yourself, Bill, do you have a team of designers that are looking at these different plate molds and styles that are like, ooh, this is in, this isn't in? Is it primarily yourself who's setting those trends and, you know, picking the designs? I'm, I really look at all different. I, I really, I'm very, very much involved in what is happening in Europe and having been well-traveled, I picked up on a lot of things. I think that's very important to someone in the industry. If they want to be in a creative industry, they have to get out there and see what's available. The manufacturers that I use to make our plates have offerings. And what we do is we look at their offerings or what is happening in another part and try to make that something that will sell in the United States here. We as Americans, do not absorb everything that's available in the world. 
we're not European. We're American. And for that reason, we do not absorb everything that everyone sees. You have to pull it from a lot of different areas. You have to pull it from art history. You have to pull it from the colors, you know, that are out there in the world, but what is going to sell for to different people. I try to look at it from the standpoint of everything, you know, nothing is really new. What goes around comes around. And there are a lot of things that are being offered now as something new that actually reflect back to the 80s. The 80s are now considered vintage. And, I, I'm, you know, I was there in the 80s and then production. So I look at things and I want, I, you know, I want, to, I want to see something presented new. Now, the, let's take some, let's take this idea from the 1980s and bring it to 2023. I think a lot of people sometimes get stuck in a rut. They're in a rut of what they think. And you, if you run a creative business, you can never just use your own taste. You have to look at the whole concept of what the party is. You're not developing something just for you. You're developing it for the total market or part of the market. What is that niche for that product? I think that's what drives me. I, I'm always looking at new things. I'm looking at publications. I'm not stuck in the rut of what I came from, I hope. And uh, I think I can be influenced or brought along by, by young people. I, I mean, young people are very much of a focus for me. I really am very interested in all of the new high-tech ways of looking at things. Even though I'm not from that era, I want to understand how we can utilize that and then take along some of the things that we don't want to forget about either. You know, there, there's a way of entertaining. There is um, a way of doing things. There, You know, it maybe have to be upgraded to what today is, but to make something really beautiful, let's go back and look at history. History repeats itself. And everything and design and everything. So that's where I find my inspiration and my passion still because I still want to be giving, I still want to be doing something different and create. Now, Bill, I want to talk about this idea of reinventing oneself because mm -hmm. it's really easy once you have a success on your hands. You know, for example, the linen company, it sounds mm -hmm. like it was doing very well. You were probably making good money. You were comfortable with where you were at. Mm -hmm. But there's a time when a person, you know, they've done what they needed to do and now they want to blossom and grow into something else. Well, I was at an event the other night, NACE, which is the National Association of Catering Executives, and it was honoring a couple of people that are retiring. And one of the people that was retiring was an employee of mine who had worked for me for many years. She retired after 28 years of the business, and she worked for me for about 20 of those 28 years. The one thing I said to her was, don't retire, look for something else. And it was really funny because when she was saying that, everybody was going, oh, are you going to do something with us? So it's really funny. I think if you retire and you totally just say there's no new, there's nothing else available for me, I think you die. I really do. Um, it doesn't keep you young. Your, your line is like a book. And there are many chapters in the book. So don't say that's the last chapter. Say... What's the next chapter? That there's no end to this. I, I always figure when you die, that's the end. Okay? Anything anything in between the beginning and the end is a chapter. So, and there's another chapter to write. As long as you're, you know, you feel good and, you, and you, you've got something to contribute, keep going. Don't retire. Don't quit. It's like if you make a mistake and you start out in a creative part in one thing and that doesn't work out, 
it doesn't mean you're done with your creativity. It just means that you haven't found the right niche. So I just want to throw that out there because I think a lot of people get started. They think something is, is what they want to do. And then they find out, no, just keep going out there, talking to people, networking, looking around and seeing if that's the right thing. If it is the right thing, then just develop it. So don't quit. Use your creativity and your passion. So something that we're really focusing on this season is looking at different markets, looking in the sense of, you know, is a company focusing on the centric? Are they being immersive? Are they able to provide a sense of hospitality and expansion through other cities? It seems like a lot of the work you do, you're providing that immersive and hospitality to your clients. So can you talk about the importance of having that mindset of making sure that you're utilizing the senses and the work that you're creating and also providing this product that people are going to feel appreciative of because they know that care went into Well, one of the things about the internet and what we're experiencing today is that everyone has, everyone is entitled to some extent and they all want instant gratification. I think it's more important than ever to figure out how to control that. I don't mean controlling them and saying, we don't, I really don't want to talk about what you want because the customer is always the focus. I think when you're trying to expand across this large country, I do have a lot of experience of that because I had offices basically in every city at one time. I've been around this country at almost in every state from the South to the West to, to everywhere. And everywhere has, every, every part of this country has a focus. I'm finding that out in my own port, my own dinnerware business because different things work in different places. If you're trying to expand, I, I would say, look at your own backyard and be sure that you're protecting the, your, the area in which you started. We were always very big in Chicago. Uh, Chicago, we knew. But as you go to other parts of the country, experience that by going there and trying to learn a little bit more about what that area wants. You cannot just open somewhere without, you can, but you know, your ideas of being successful and not going you know, that, that's pretty bad. I mean, I think what you have to do is you work your way into an area and you try to figure out what works in that area. Las Vegas is a very special place because you're basically in a party driven, I don't know, like an oasis. And what works in Las Vegas will work in many other parts of the country, but then there'll be, there, there'll be changes and things that have to change between one place and the other. So you really have to analyze the business model that you're trying to work on. And I think it's important to also know where who you are, something about you, who are you, so you know what where you can take yourself. And now at this time, I'd like to welcome Destination by Design's VP of Creative, Oscar Rodriguez. Oscar, thank you so much for joining us for this brief episode where we're joined by Bill Pry and we're just talking about the design space and being a creative. Um, I think something that's really important that we're looking at is Bill has over 40 years of experience in this field. And Oscar, you have over a decade's experience in the design field, but you have so much more experience in the live events and entertainment market. Um, I would love to just know from you, how have you seen the live event space change over the last decade? 
Well, I feel that lately, and I've mentioned this before, um, I think guests now are all looking for an experience. Everybody wants to be immersed in their event. Something has to have a story. Something has to have meaning. It needs to be uh, brand heavy. It needs to, you know, it needs to speak of who they are as a client and be fun. Mm. Ultimately, they're going in there to have a great time. It's some of these people most likely is their one event a year. They get to celebrate with their colleagues and anything from the way they get to the property to how they're transported into the foyer area, what is waiting in there for them to the moment they walk inside. Everything needs to be cohesive, needs to make sense, and needs to be immersive. People don't don't react anymore to a beautiful looking room. It's like, what is moving? What entertainer is serving me my food? Like, is the food even a part of the experience? Is it like, I don't know, is it activator in some type of way? Does it have dry ice uh, this? Or is that, you know, it's presentation, it's hmm. logic, it's fun, entertaining, creative everything and this is interesting because i was just talking to bill and we were discussing you know kind of his evolution from the linen business and providing that for events to now this specialty plate company where you know they're designing and, and giving a unique experience to party goers i think i'd love to hear from you oscar uh, the importance of being a large-scale company like Destinations by Design and having a partner in that space who's able to provide, you know, the the type of equipment that's needed to give your guests that, you know, immersive and that centric experience that they're going to love. So I'm, I'm personally super excited. Not to mention I love you, Bill. We, we met very briefly here in, in Vegas and in Chicago as well. You know, it's having a beautiful plate a beautiful setting in front of you i mean you're having a dinner so i feel also how does that correlate with the overall look of the event and the creative aspect if i see right now he presented some some incredible plates and assets that they own so what can i design from that how does that go into my activation how does that go into a photo op the color palette like what, how, you know, is my entrance making them feel some type of way? Now they sit on their table and they see this beautiful, you know, glassware and silverware and gorgeous plating as well. That is just what is that experience? Hmm. And to be able to add those assets to our overall creative, I think it's fantastic, you know. And Bill, maybe you can briefly just explain the importance from your perspective of you know, being a company that's reaching out to, you know, larger event producers and trying to, you know, get your product in and expand and grow. Well, I started using the chargers about 10 years ago. They were actually an additional product that we started with at BBJ. And it was used, the reason we did it was, was because at that point, about 10, about 10 15 years ago, people started using specialty tables and not all the tables required linen. So it was first brought as an item to use to actually, to be honest with you, increase, be sure that we've got a certain amount of dollars we returned from each table. However, we wanted to do something that was worthwhile because just to throw something else on the table, it's, it, this is not throwing just another item. This is actually usable. This has, it has, focus and it has 
uh, use. It's you know, and I think people today also want to know that whatever you're adding to the table or what you're doing to add dollars to something have a purpose. It also happens to be sustainable because you're using a rental item instead of using something that's you're going to throw away. So um, it has a lot of the use of the plate or the use of the charger has a great deal of reason to be, keep continue. But it also goes back to a beautiful tablescape. And even when I began, and there wasn't all this extra, the lighting, the whole thing, all these things got added to it. You know, lighting on a table makes the table look beautiful, makes the flowers look better, makes everything look better. As things have progressed, that's why I said we've come to what is called event production. Event production has to take in all of that. It's just what Oscar just said. It has to take in food, flowers, whatever. Everything has to have a function to make it an immersive experience for the client. Mm -hmm. And that's what the client wants today. And now it's time for our DVD Q&A section where we take questions from listeners and we present them to the members who are on our podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to share with us, you can always shoot us an email at podcast at dvdvegas.com or on social media at dvdvegas. Now, the first question is, I think for you, Bill, it's from Caitlin from Seattle who asks, having been in the industry for a long time, is there a design era you're particularly fond of? I really like everything. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but I do. I lean towards arts and crafts, the arts and crafts era, and I lean towards art, art deco. I love art deco. But I also like Bodern. The Bodern is the 1950s or whatever you want to talk about. I like vintage, which means I'm vintage. And I also like Art Nouveau. I mean, I like every, every era has color and it has um, something which you can use in design. I know that certain times, certain eras are popular. I believe right now we're looking at a, we're not looking at so much of a clean cut world anymore like we did in the 90s. By the 2000s, we're looking for a little ornamentation. So that gives you a little bit of room for ornamentation on a tabletop or ornamentation and flowers. Uh, but I really, you know, I really like art history. So there's really not any really bad era as far as I'm concerned. It's just how you incorporate it into the design concept. Thank you for that question, Caitlin. Moving on, we have Jasmine from Minneapolis. Um, this question is more for Oscar. It says, how do you maintain the company's unique signature while adapting to current design trends? You know, um, it's tough. I think like in order for a company of, especially in the event industry to remain relevant, you gotta get up with the time. So you gotta, you gotta do your research, you gotta do your training, you gotta stay on trend. But also, I feel there's a certain DNA that every company should have, and especially in a creative aspect and what you do that um, allows for for your overall outlook to be expressed on every event. So I think it's about having elements of those trends being added very in small quantities at first and seeing how that trickles into because trends change. Sometimes even in a couple of months, those trends may not even be existing anymore. So there's an element of having that uh, good foundation, DNA from your company, what you guys do best and execute that first and sprinkle some of those trend moments 
that can actually start taking you into that next step, if that makes sense. Beautiful. We have about a minute left. Thank you so much for that question. This last question is from Brooke from Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm going to throw this question to Bill. Having seen many design revolutions, which innovation surprised you the most? I think that probably some of the things that they're doing with high tech, with lighting, and uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, it's amazing just to see some of the things that happen. There's there's really no end to it. And I think that with these tools, we're able to recreate a lot of things that maybe people, you're presenting it in a different way. It's almost like Hamilton was presented to people on the stage to be able to see something that's, you know, historical that everyone have thought was a bit boring. And you see it presented in a new way. So you're able to get people to see things from history or from what they consider to be a boring aspect of it. And it's presented in such a way that they're, they really enjoy it and then they learn from it. So I think that that's probably the high tech thing, whatever I'm, which way I call it is uh, to me the the thing that's giving a pizzazz to the industry. And I think making people see the tabletop or things that they might not have, they would have thought that that's bourgeois or very boring. And when you incorporate it all together and you make that immersive experience, it uh, makes people take notice. Well, thank you so much for that question. I want to take a moment to thank Bill Cry and Oscar Rodriguez for joining us today and for talking about design and some of its evolution. Bill, Oscar, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to thank the listeners as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to join us next time as we dive in more to design and elements here at Destinations by Design. We'll see you then. This is DVD.